Welcome to Nerd Capsule, where we safeguard the things we cherish for the future geek generation. Please welcome your host, Andreas Splash Kiriakou and his very special guest. Welcome to the Nerd Capsule, the podcast where we're creating the planet's first time capsule, wholly dedicated to relics from nerd culture history. I'm your host, filmmaker Andreas Splash Griagu, and together with my wonderful guests, we'll handpick in each episode two recommendations in five categories to include from a single year and hopefully safeguard for future nerds to devour. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV and co-produced with Gigodobo's Collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. In this episode, we are gonna deal with the year 1981. And today's special guest is writer, podcaster, and Formula One commentator, Frixos Masuras. Frixos, you wanna say a few things about yourself? Uh, what can I say about myself? I'm, I'm, I'm a geek, much like yourself, or a nerd, depending on who you uh, talk to. <laughs> um, I'm a sports commentator, I'm a writer, a screenwriter, a playwright, and a published uh, author. We have worked on many a project together. <laughs> yes, uh, Frixos is my co-writer on yeah quite a few projects. I've yeah. lost count. To to be honest, we're currently well. This is we're recording this on the February tenth, two thousand twenty-one. If you're listening to this from a far far away future, <laughs> we're, we're still humans and podcasts alive. And we are now making a feature film. We've shot eighty percent of it. We're waiting for some funding to come in and complete uh, the film. It used to be a stage play. That's right, a play that I wrote and you uh, you so graciously directed. Yes, uh, it was kind of a kind of a success. Uh, You're being very modest. It was an, <laughs> it, it was an absolute hit. It, it was yes, it was good times. Uh, we also have a TV series that we've been trying to make for oh, the yes. last five years. I am crossing my crossing my. I, I think we're near, <laughs> we're near uh, going into actual development. Uh, cross fingers on that as well. Uh, plus, we are co-writers on the World's Writers Project. You can Google that and find That's out right. more. Uh, and uh, as Frixos already said, he's a published author, and people are, you know, waiting for the sequel on that book. I hope in this far future that you're listening to this show on, there's already ten sequels. <laughs> well, I can't really write a sequel for the Ballad of James Tig, but I can, uh, I can say that I am already working on my uh, saga. Let's say it is. An incredible amount of work, as you probably know. <coughs> excuse me, as you probably already know, you have to create an entire world from scratch. And uh, I am currently writing the first book in bullet points. But of course, as you write the bullet points for the first book, you're getting ideas as to where the story is going. Therefore, you're writing things also for the third book and the second book. It, let's just say it is a lot of work, but it's coming. So somewhere down the line, it is coming. Thankfully, I'm still young. We're going to return back uh, to James Tick when we go through our book section because I want to ask you a few more stuff about it. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll remind you then. Sure. So uh, you want to hear some trivia about the year 1981? The year... So just to get the mood of you know what's going on in, in the year of our Lord, 1981. Well, <laughs> I am one year away from being. <laughs> you were born in 1982, 82, correct? that's and correct. I'm, I'm an 83 child myself. So, um, Lady Diana Spencer Mary Charles, Prince of Wales. Fantastic. I just watched The Crown, the, the final, the, the last series I've of The Crown. I've been stuck in the last two episodes for two months. I see, I see. For some reason, you know, great, great season, great season. It is. I'm just so depressed about Diana's relationship with Charles, actually, that I'm afraid to finish the series. 
it's it's hard, it's heart wrenching. The the grim the grim outcome is does that doesn't happen in this season if that's what you're worried about. Yeah, oh, he's such a bastard though. He is. I mean, he is. in every episode. But is that, that his fault on them or his mother's fault? I think it's 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 their whole world's fault. <laughs> yeah, from from one point onwards, you're absolutely right. You can't blame everything on your yeah. parents. You need to work on yourself. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, watch The Crown if uh, if you have Netflix or not. <laughs> so. Uh, okay, on April 1981, NASA launched the very first Space Shuttle mission. Yay. The Space Shuttle Columbia successfully carried two astronauts uh, into space to complete the inaugural flight of the Space Shuttle program. The purpose of the mission was to test the stability of the new spacecraft and to safely launch uh, the vehicle into space and return it to Earth so that the craft was reusable. The total length of the mission was two days, six hours, 20 minutes, 53 seconds. Fantastic. Now, Funny enough, back in the USSR, a very similar mission was taking oh, yeah, place. Yeah, it, it was called that at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the Venera 13 spacecraft was launched by the USSR on October 30th, 1981. Mm. The Venera 13 was created along with the identical Venera 14 spacecraft as two-part spacecrafts. Twin spacecrafts, mm -hmm. in essence. One part was the, was the lander that would be dropped to the surface of Venus to conduct experiments, and the other was the bus that would carry the landers and relay data between the landers and Earth, as well as conducting other experiments. Landing on Venus, huh? I had no idea the USSR did this mission back in the time, and it was actually successful. Yeah. The Venera 13 spacecraft reached Venus on March 1st, 1982, and successfully deposited its lander. Once on the surface of Venus, it took the first panoramic color photos of the landscape and drilled, actually drilled into the surface of the planet to take a sample. The spacecraft also studied cosmic gamma-ray bursts. The craft stopped communicating results in March of 1983. Actually, my birth month and year. And year. Wow. Coincidence? I don't know, Mr. Frickson. You came from Venus? <laughs> I came from Venus. I don't know. But I had no idea the USSR actually did yep. this mission. I mean, I'm, it sounds so futuristic, doesn't I, it? Well, I'm pretty certain that if they start opening up their uh, books... We'll, we'll find things that will Damn. completely make our heads spin. I mean, in the, back in the US, people are still trying to launch spacecrafts and see how it works between the moon and Earth and stuff. And these guys actually went to Venice. An unmanned mission to Venice. An unmanned mission, yes. yes. So, um, the military leaders of Poland declared mm -hmm. a state of emergency and placed the nation under martial law during December of 1981. You, you could say this is the start of the USSR collapse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way. The, the rebellion, and I'm using big air quotes exactly. here. Pope uh, John Paul II is shot on May 13th, by, but not killed in Vatican City. Of course. And, uh, Very he, famous suicide. And he met his uh, shooter as well. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a movie about this. I'm yes. Sure, or a series. He, I've seen he forgave him. Yeah, he forgave because him. Because he's yeah. magnanimous and he's the Pope. <laughs> he's he was the Pope, the Pope yeah. Um, and here's a, one of my favorite trivia from this year. The first DeLorean. DMC-12, futuristic sports car, was produced on January 21st. Known for its distinctive golf wing doors and stainless steel body panels, the vehicle uh, garnered a lot of attention for its unusual look. Of course, we know why uh, later on. Well, f f well. F funnily enough, I am a gearhead also, as yep. you very well know. I, to mention that in I the, commentate in Formula intro. One, and, and I've, been, I've been a press officer for the Cyprus Rally for a decade. Uh, there's also one, one other piece of trivia about the DeLorean. AMC. 
Go on. Uh, it, it, GMC. It, it's absolutely terrible. It is, isn't it? It's a <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible car. It bumped. The it engine bumped. was absolutely terrible, it, yes. It, it, it actually became a worthy car to own after Back to the Future. Because of the uh, films, uh, yes. Movie series and not before. Um, right. So the DeLorean was only manufactured for two years. And about 9,000 vehicles were produced in total. The company uh, quickly ran into financial troubles and its founder, John DeLorean, was... Charged with conspiracy to smuggle drugs. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> that didn't end well. That didn't a man's well. gotta eat. <laughs> a man's gotta eat. Yeah. And as we already said, the DeLorean was most well known for being featured as the time travel machine used in the popular 1985 film Back to the Future. Which will definitely be a part of the capsule of that oh, year, I am sure. Probably, probably. <laughs> oh, I see, probably. Ooh. Look, uh, it, it, we have limited space. Well, in, we can only choose two, two, two films per... Uh, no. Yes, oh per boy, episode. I should have brought my... One from your side and one from my side. I should have brought my knives. Yes, that's why it's a hard oh choice, boy. my friend. It's, it not is. A, it's not a big capsule. It doesn't... No, you know, wow. It's an this infinite capsule. Difficult. But, um, spoiler, spoilers, you know, our, our, our Locos fonts are actually Back to the Future fonts. So, yeah, yeah. Hey. maybe 1985 will be the year of Back to the Future. Maybe. For that episode, for that Nerd Capsule episode. It's definitely a tough year. Every year is a tough year. In the 80s? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. I'm, uh, I'm not so worried about the 90s. Yeah. But I'm yeah, sure yeah. when we get there, we're going to still have some issues. But the 80s is definitely the geek year for films. So, the geek decade for films. So, uh, a couple of more trivia. An unknown piece of music written by Mozart is discovered at the Bavarian State Library. Wow. Scientists identify the AIDS virus in 1981. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, IBM in US launches its first PC, which uses Microsoft software MS-DOS, the operating system that we grew up in. Uh, with. What was it? Not Deep Blue. Deep Blue came, Deep, Deep Blue came much, ca much later. Much later, yes. Yes. yes, 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 yes. And the term internet first mentioned of in course. the year 1981. Of course. So, uh, finishing off our... Uh, intro trivia section, I'll give you the top 10 US singles from the billboards, just to get an idea of what's happening in music. Oh, wow. Uh, in number 10, we have Keep On Loving You by Rio Speedwagon. Okay. Number 9, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Of course. At 8, I Love A Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit. Rabbit? I don't know who Eddie I have Rabbit no idea is. what that is. <laughs> yes. Number 7, Kiss On My List, Hell Notes. I've, I've, I've probably okay. know this song, I just need to listen, If we hear it, yeah, maybe. Listen to it to, to get an idea what it is. Uh, number 6, Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Of course. <laughs> number 5, Jess's Girl by Rings Springfield. Iconic song from the 80s. Uh, number four, Just Like Starting Over, John Lennon. Okay. He died the year before, so he's still yes. in the charts yes, yes, for yes. obvious reasons. Number three, Lady by Kenny Rogers. Wow. Do, do you remember Kenny Rogers' roaster? Kenny, I do, but <laughs> yes, I also know of the singer. I, yeah. I think it's still a thing in the US, but uh, the one we have here in Cyprus where we record a show oh, closed down. Oh, long gone. Almost two decades ago. Long gone. Uh, but I, I bought my first Amstrad PC just around the corner from the Kenny Rogers yeah, in there 95. There was a popular computer store. Yes, uh, Amstrad. There. I remember that With one, the yeah. floppies. And I played Police Quest yes. and Loom. Floppy oh, disk. So good. So, um, yeah. <laughs> CGA graphics still. I have to say that the CGA palette. 256 colors. That's right. The CGA, uh, well, that's a lot. No, you're talking about VGA maybe. Oh, yeah. C yeah. CGA was the turquoise and, and pink. Let me double check that. Yeah, yeah, go on. CGA, CGA color space. CGA was uh, the um, the pink and turquoise uh, color palette. I still love it to this day. My well, All my RGB on my PC, tower, motherboard, 
the power supply, the keyboard, the mouse, everything. 16 colors. 16 <laughs> colors, yeah. Everything, everything is CGA palette. CGA. Yeah, yeah I love it. I uh, didn't know, I didn't know that and, uh, until about four years ago when I realized that's why I love turquoise so much. Yeah, man. The CGA uh, palette. Directly connected to your nostalgia. My nostalgia, yes, yes, yes. Number two, Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Of course. Uh, and number one, Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. Carnes. C-A-R-N-E-S. Okay. I, I'm curious. I want to I listen to this song because I, I, okay. I have no recollection. I'd love to see a European top 10 because... Yeah, it must be quite different. Yeah, woo, I, I, I bet. The, it was a different size. world. That's an interesting name though for us. Huh? I'll, I'll tell you that. So we're going to have a quick listen to the song. Yeah. Just the first few seconds. Wait. Oh, it's this song. This is Betty Davis' eyes. Of course. I had no idea that was the name of the song. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the one. Okay, go look it up. I don't want to get flagged. <laughs> a couple so, of seconds, you're safe. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, you know, that's a good uh, rundown of the year 1981 to get you in the mood. Yeah, to, to, to get us going, yeah. And the first section is always miscellaneous. And this is up to you. This is a free form. You can put anything you want in the miscellaneous section. Other than our, our main uh, topics, of, of course, TV shows, books, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so anything. It could be a toy, it could be a food, it could be uh, uh, a food of a person, it could be <laughs> any, a person. Okay, it's a little bit difficult to stack a person in, in yeah. a capsule, but uh, it's up to you, really. I uh, I remember that 1981 is a year that actress died canoeing. I forget her name. Uh, I forget her name. I remember that there was an accident because um, I was I was studying for something completely different, and and I came upon that. And Natalie Wood. Yes, Natalie yes, Wood died. Yes. Was it a canoeing accident? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, near the California's Catalina Island. Catalina. Right. She yes. was forty-three years old. Mm -hmm. No, it was it was a, a grand shame, a waste, unfortunately. Yeah, but it happens when you when you're playing with forces of nature like that. You, you never know what's going to happen. So you, you're going with a news piece, basically. Basically a news piece, yes. Yes. So just a few words about Natalia Woods, uh, straight out of Wikipedia. Of course, so you can uh, seek up more information yourselves. Natalia Woods, born Natalia Nikolaevna Zakarenko. Mm -hmm. On Ju July 20, 1938, was an American actress who began her career in film as a child actor and successfully transitioned to young before you Before you continue reading, knowing her real name, doesn't that make her demise a bit suspect? It, it does, because this is the peak of the Cold War. Precisely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe she was a spy. Ooh. Who knows? This is why I, br I bring yeah, it up. I, I, this, is, this is what the research was about. So it, it's, I have no idea. You know which, if the lady which was one involved. was her last film? <laughs> um, Brainstorm. I, right. With uh, Christopher Walken, which Walken. actually was released in 1983 after her Yes, death. precisely. So, yeah. Uh, actually, quite a good movie, Brainstorm. It was okay. It's a, it's a VHS classic. Everything from that era is a VHS classic. <laughs> yes. My choice uh, in the miscellaneous section is MS-DOS. Yes. Yeah, of course. The, the beginning of everything. Uh, uh, we, we did learn computing on MS-DOS. On MS-DOS, yes. Uh, I remember the, the first computer anything I did was learn those... <laughs> C D C D I R D I R D E L yes 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 uh, format C uh, no know. no format C come on <laughs> no, don't do that don't do that you know but yeah MS DOS was uh, was part of our lives I mean I remember it very vividly from the late eighties till the mid nineties actually we yes. still had to go to MS DOS even after we had Windows no our first gaming was definitely done 
on, on DOS. Uh, Windows came after we began dabbling with computers, for sure. I remember the first game I launched from MS-DOS was uh, Ledger Suite, Larry. Uh, Don't Prince, ask why. <laughs> Prince of Persia. Probably third or, or, or fourth in the list. I think it was... Um, Actually, Alley Cat. <laughs> Alley Cat was probably the first game I ever ran on MS-DOS. Really, really great platformer, Alley Cat. Yes, with, uh, with diverse gameplay. And the NBA game, what was it called? Was it just NBA? I remember it. I remember it. I, I, I was actually talking about it the other day. I remember the boxes in which the teams were, yeah, the man. dribbling. Uh, Sometimes when you're title. taking free, free throws, a, a cup was thrown on the, uh, on the, on the, on the well, not the pitch, well. Actually, on the, hard, the, the actual hardtop. name of the game was Lakers versus Celtics. Lakers versus Celtics. And the right. NBA playoffs. Right. And I, I, I remember that in order to enter the game, you, you had to answer questions. Yes. Uh, like, just to make sure you had the correct copy. Oh, and the manual, yes. And the manual, because, you know, uh, if you didn't have the manual, yeah, photocopies weren't a thing at the time. I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of companies did something really cool where they had uh, small riddle-like puzzles That's, That was in the, the case Larry. Larry yes. had, a, had a Also Loom. Where yes. you had to turn the wheel and match the oh. codes and choose the symbol. Oh, the yeah, golden yeah, year yeah. of box of game yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. Ahoy has a brilliant video about the box. Ooh, I gotta watch that. Yes, you YouTube. do. Awesome YouTuber. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I go with MS DOS, <laughs> and you went with uh, Natalie Woods. N N Natalie Woods' uh, demise, which has a lot of question marks around it. Okay, so it's time to open the nerd capsule. <laughs> yeah, there's a sound effect here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, off to TV shows. TV shows. So, some noticeable TV shows released in 1981, just to get a, a good idea of what's going on in the TV world. Only Fools and Horses. Of course. Classic British sitcom. Yes. Hill Street Blues. Probably the show that started the cop show. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, the, the cop show, uh, what's the word? Trent? Yeah. Hill Street Blues, the show that started the uh, cop show Trent. I don't remember any show before Hill Street Blues actually that had that that effect, and it you know it, it created a whole you know the TV series in general before the eighties was a completely different thing. Yeah, of course, uh, Dynasty, long running oh uh, soap opera, name and thing we say in Cypriot. Cagney and Lacey, which was um, a female cop show. Right, the greatest American hero, one of the first actual superhero sitcoms. Wow, uh, the Fall Guy, uh, which was quite. Awesome uh, action adventure show with a stuntman. The, the protagonist was a stuntman in every episode. He had to do a mission or something like that. Basically, so the world a, of stunts. A, a highlight reel for the stunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy oh, TV yes. series. Not the movie. Uh, the, the original stuff. British TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smurfs came out in 1981. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, wow. Do you remember that from your video club? <laughs> I, 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 I remember the Greek dubbing. It was actually quite good. Um, yeah. I, th I think we're being, you're being nostalgic. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, SCTV Network, which was a sort of um, Saturday Night Live uh, alternative. Uh, satire. Uh, John Candy was uh, right. the main guy uh, in this TV right, show, right, which right. was an anthological, anecdotal uh, kind of a show like Saturday Night Live. Danger Mouse? Came out in of course, of course. Great theme song. Absolutely. Look, look. For us, Danger Mouse came late to Cyprus. Um, yeah, on on tape. Uh, and precisely. I think Logos, which was uh, one of actually the first private channel here on the island, was playing Danger Mouse on Saturday mornings. Well, you call it private, but well, yeah, it was owned by the church guys. Yes. <laughs> Not anymore, though. <laughs> Not anymore, it. thankfully. 
But they do still own the premises that the That's station is... Uh, Which has changed uh, a couple of names. Since yeah, then. Omega, Omega. Omega. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ, Superstar. And the economic crisis does it. <laughs> yes. And uh, last but not least, Ulysses 31. Wow, right. Do you remember Ulysses 31? I do, yes. So Ulysses 31 was uh, uh, um, a Japanese-American co-production. So it was that anime sort of styling. And it's basically... The Ulysses story we all know, but set in space. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome adaptation, if you ask me. Very forward thinking. Yes. Very forward thinking. Pretty dark. <laughs> you know what? That, that's that, that's a constant in the eighties. They were thinking ahead. People were free to do as they wanted. I believe in the eighties, and that's what sets that decade apart. And I think in many of our circles, if we sit down and put everything on the table, the eighties almost always comes out as the best decade in the history of the modern age. Especially in pop, in pop culture. Oh, of course. In pop course. culture. Not, now, not uh, only pop culture. Health-wise, we did have AIDS, we did have the we did. cocaine of thing. Course. We did, There yes. were a couple of wars in the Middle East. But uh, no, nowhere near some of the things that no, happened before. And none of the things that happened after. Precisely. Yeah, it was, it was sort of a decade that, you know, there was this pseudo-illusion that things were going well. Mm. Uh, people started to look inwards for problems. You know, there you not go. Not so much outwards. Uh, and we did have some local, uh, some very cool uh, content, you know, uh, in book form, in movie form. And it, creativity TV. blossomed because uh, people were allowed to go about their way. There was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> a lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine in the eighties. Yes. I'm curious to see you, uh, what is your choice. What do you want to put in the capsule? For the TV shows? Yes. I am at a loss for TV shows, if I'm honest. But from uh, from the ones you mentioned, I don't know. I'm going with Hill Street Blues. I, you could go right ahead. I, I think I shouldn't bear an opinion for, for the TV show. So you want to hear a little bit about Hill Street Blues? Please. And um, on top of that, I'll give you my reasoning why. The I grandfather think... of the shield and the wire. And... Yeah, of course. Okay, you, you basically jumped ahead. That was yeah, yeah, my yeah, main yeah, yeah. reasoning. It's, it's very well likely that if we didn't have uh, Hill Street Blues, we wouldn't right. have those shows. And created by Stephen uh, Bochco and Michael Kozol, mm -hmm. uh, especially Stephen Bochco is considered, you know, one of the original showrunners of uh, of TV. Uh, just to give you a few of his famous uh, TV shows, Colombo, Colombo, yes, uh, the Counterfeit uh, Killer, which was a film he did write the screenplay for that. It was quite successful. That was released in 1968. He also worked on Silent Running, if you if you remember that one. He co-created L.A. Law, wow. <laughs> the, the show that sort of created this the yeah. lawyer court yeah, yeah, subgenre. Yeah. So he did the courtroom drama, <laughs> the common, uh, drama. Uh, Doogie Howser, M.D. All right. Uh, NYPD Blue. Should I go on? I mean, the guy yeah, has, no, has you, a huge. You, you're list. naming a 101 uh, cop yeah, show. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 did reinvent the cop show for TV uh, before Hill Street Blues. Most of cop shows were very basic. Uh, didn't really go very much uh, into details about the cops' lives, about what that makes them tick, uh, and especially didn't do so much to show the dark side of policing. I was about to say, films in the 70s got a bit dark and documentary style, they were the sure. First, they were the Precisely. first to do that, but not on TV. Not on TV, though. TV yeah. was a much family-friendlier place. Until the eighties, cops were still heroes on TV. Precisely, <laughs> and NYPD Blue, was, sorry, uh, and Hill Street Blues was that show 
at first introduced the concept that yeah, not all, all cops not are all, uh, not ma- all cops the are same. good Maybe, people. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in in Hill Street Blues, some cops were alcoholics, some were criminals. Occasionally, you had the heroic cop, obviously, but he. I'll tell you they one, were the rare kind. I'll tell you one type of cop that you definitely didn't have on Hill Street Blues: the racist cop. Yeah, probably, probably. I'm not sure, but because uh, it was an alien concept to people back then. I remember definitely in NY, in NYPD Blue, you did have those sort of characters. But, but I yeah. guess uh, our showrunner here, Stephen Bochco, did evolve as well for sure through the ages. Don't remember that we had the LA riots in as the we early did. 90s. As we did, as yeah, we evolved, yeah, of course, of course. Of course. So Hillstead Bruce is my choice. Uh, I don't know about you. Do, do, do you? I'm, go- I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with your choice. I'm going to stick you, with your choice because because it, it it encompasses the evolution uh, that w- what the the Scorseses and, and and his ilk brought over from cinema exactly. to TV. And, and Hillstead Bruce was also shot pretty cinematically uh, compared to other stuff that were studio based with right. uh, studio based cameras and all that. They actually went with film cameras outside and they shot beautiful. Not beautiful the show. two camera setup. Talking Heads. Yeah, yeah it was actually shot on 35mm and then it was cropped for TV uh, for, right. four, for the 4-3 four aspect ratio. And uh, now that we're done with TV, we're moving on to books and uh, apostrophe and comics. <laughs> so, the NY Times Best Service list of 1981 is as follows. The Covenant by James uh, Mishner. Mm-hmm. Corky Park by Martin Cruz-Smith. Noble House by James Clavel. Cujo by Stephen King. Which was also a movie uh, of a few course. years later, uh, Killer Dogs. <laughs> Killer Dogs. I had your dreams for. <laughs> okay. Years. Have you have you read the Cujo? I, uh, Cujo. I have not read Cujo. I haven't watched Cujo. I haven't I haven't read or watched Killer Dogs. No, Cujo is about Killer Dogs. Oh, Cujo about Killer. Oh, I thought you meant Killer Dogs as in. No, no, no. Cujo. Uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is okay. about Killer Dogs. I thought and, you meant there was another book and, called and Killer Dogs. I remember dogs. watching the film pretty young. Actually, it did. It did create a small um, dog trauma. It scarred you? <laughs> Not for as long as you would think, but uh, for a year or so, I was kind of scared of dogs. But because <laughs> because it was a film that pretty much made me who I am, actually. Much earlier than the than 81. We have to go back to mid-70s. Well, it w- we'll do that when we finish with the, ter- with of the course. two decades of the 20th century. Then of course. Backwards in time. We're going to go backwards in time. Yeah. This back podcast. in time. So uh, the next couple of titles on the New York Times uh, best uh, sellers list is the Hotel New Hampshire by John Irving, and uh, an, indi- an indecent obsession by Colin McClough. An indecent obsession. Yes, I'm curious. I don't know that book. All right. In comics, Frank Miller takes over full writing duties on Daredevil with issue 168 and creates Electra in 1981. That is when Electra was created. Yes, a, a fantastic character. It is slightly uh, butchered in the TV show, but in a, a, a very very awful movie. Later. <laughs> yeah, ooh, ooh, I, 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 it, it was erased from memory. Yes, oh yeah. Uh, Days of Future Past storyline debuts in Uncanny X-Men 141. I love how those stories transcend time. Of since course. Days of Future Past are now, it, it's, it's supposed now movie, from, for, for us, it's a film that came out not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the original Days of Future of Past course. was released in 1981. Amazing, beautiful X-Men storyline. Uh, Detective Comics... Issue 500 is released, 184 pages, seven different anniversary stories by several well-known creators. Nice. Uh, so Batman is having his 500th issue birthday. This is The Flash, reaches its 300th issue and celebrates its 25th anniversary. Wonderful. And uh, this is special series issue 27, Batman versus The Incredible Hulk. Right. An intercompany crossover between DC and 
Mama comes. We don't see much of those these days. No, there was one more. There was one more in the mid to late nineties that I remember with Batman and Wolverine merging. Yeah, they they, they, they mashed characters into Precisely. one. It yeah, was yeah, called yeah. Amalgam Comics. Amalgam, right? That was and, good. That yeah, was good. I, I had all the first run. I collected oh, them I as, as they were released. Uh, not so. Much great storylines. No, it was, the experiment it was, was fun. Though. It was just so yeah. you can have the amazing pictures where you have Wolverine and Batman merge, yeah, one or kind. Superman and Hulk. Yes, but it, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. After they fought, of course, which is a fantastic fight. Obviously, um, I'll start with my choice. Well, uh, just to help you, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a title that's not on the list that we've mentioned. Okay, it's God Emperor of Dune by Frank Herbert. Emperor, God Emperor, of God Dune. Emperor of Dune, of course. Uh, which was uh, the fourth book uh, mm-hmm. in the Dune uh, series. Our, the- our hero has now turned in exactly into what people didn't expect him to <laughs> yes. turn into. No, I'm not going to give you any spoilers. No, no, because the film will come yeah, out the, eventually. The film will come out, and if it's successful, eventually it will deal with the storyline as well going uh, maybe forward. Maybe in a TV series. Maybe, yeah, the, 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 the rumor is that they may continue the TV movie. That's the, uh, that's the, the smart decision, series. is it not? It is. If you ask me, they should have gone with the TV series uh, from the very beginning. <laughs> It's not a lot of people go to the cinemas in the year 2021. No, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't we don't have cinemas anymore. It, it seems died. it died. So um, I'm not going to get into much detail what is Dune and who Frank Herbert is. It's obviously the original Dune book is one of the ultimate sci-fi classics. For the, some of us, it's considered the Bible of sci-fi. I mean, that's like trying to explain someone who J.R.R. Tolkien is. For fantasy. Well, you'll be surprised. Sometimes you do have to explain to people who this guy is. I understand, but it, it, it's the same caliber. It is the same caliber. For sci-fi. And, and, and uh, with Frank Herbert, you, you know, you're in the fourth book of a series that's much beloved, and he still continues keeping up the quality that made the first one uh, popular. A, a lot of it comes down to his world building. And yeah. it was exceptional. Uh, uh, after Frank died, very much like J, the J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. His son... Continue the franchise, uh, co-writing with um, numerous other writers. Yes. It is debatable if those books are considered canon uh, or not. I'll tell you, I've never, I didn't go beyond God Emperor of Dune. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I won't know. I don't have an opinion. But yeah, there's no thing as the original, I guess. The same no. goes, I don't know. Did you read The Silmarillion by Tolkien's son? Uh, by Tolkien's son, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't want to continue things okay. that are not his. I, I, ha- I have certain issues with... Sons continuing stories and fanfic. It's not the same thing. I'm sorry. It's not. It, it, it can be great fun fiction, if you ask me, but, you yeah, know, it's... No, fan fiction, I know yeah. a lot of people who, who swear by it. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, and I understand. So, what is your uh, book uh, selection for the Nerd Capsule? For the Thomas Harris's Red Dragon. You see another book that wasn't on my list. <laughs> yes, oh, the, the 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 theme and and the genre of the book is right up my street. We all know the story by now because of the film. Two films. Two films. Technically, yes. And a TV series. Brian Cox absolutely yes. nailed it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The Michael Mann movie. In the yes, that was made in the eighties. But yes, Red Dragon for sure. So you you want to speak a little bit about Red Dragon and what uh, do you mean Red, Red Dragon? Red, why, why do you choose? Why Red choose Red Dragon? Red Dragon? I mean. The uh, already Thomas Harris broke new ground by presenting the vi- a villain, not the villain, because Red <laughs> Dragon in- involves two villains technically. Um, using a villain as a as a as a protagonist or maybe a sidekick in, in some light depends. But the w- the way he presented crime scenes, 
um, the, the idea of the serial killer wasn't actually established. Yeah, the, yes, killer. precisely. The tooth fairy was it was actually quite fresh still for people when all these when all, when his stories were coming out. He he had leveled up the uh, the, the the concept through his stories. And that's why I, I enjoy them the most. That's why they produced incredible films as well, because the material was really good. And as you said, Red Dragon was originally uh, filmed by Michael Mann ages ago. 80s, was it? Yeah, uh, let me give you the Late exact, 80s? Uh, date. Uh, Red Dragon film. Yeah, it was mid to late 80s. Right, with Brian uh, Cox as Hannibal Lecter, right? Yes. Uh, the, the Brett Ratner version came out in 2002. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which was also great. Yeah, for a Brett Ratner film. Yeah, no, okay, I have no problem with Brett Ratner. Good cast, good cast. Precisely. The uh, cast was incredible. The original Red Dragon film, which was called Manhunter, actually, Manhunter. came out in 1986. And then Mindhunter came out much later, speaking about how, how the birth of the concept of the serial killer came about. Unfortunately, a TV series which we will no longer watch. Hannibal. Mindhunter. Oh, it's gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the Hannibal TV series, which is mostly the also, Red Dragon storyline, it's also pretty gone. awesome. I mean, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the better depiction of, of the novel from even from the other again. Two Mads Mikkelsen just oh, drives on. the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, Red Dragon is probably the book that started the whole uh, what it, what we now nowadays call on television Scandinoir. Scandinoir, sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aesthetic. Sure. Obviously, Red Dragon was not set in Scandinavia, but the aesthetic, the world, the, almost horror. Uh, like uh, I don't think arena. Have, I don't think you need to say almost. Oh yeah, it, it, it's prob it's a horror. It's not Precisely. a thriller. It's it's a horror yes. book. <laughs> yes. This is uh, just uh, you know across Stephen Stephen King's territory. I mean, here, you know? if Buffalo Bill was based on Ed Gein, <sighs> with uh, with the use of human skin, um, I'm sorry for those squeamish listening. <laughs> I I study these things like like it's sports news. I used I used to scour crime libraries since 2002. So to see all these docudramas suddenly pop mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. it's like a dream come true. Like the Ramirez one. I've known and, and I've studied Ramirez since 2004. And now I have this show and I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. But yeah, um, it, it, the how far the human condition goes and, and the, the capabilities of a human being or the human monsters as I like to call them. Real, the real monsters are human. Uh, and that, that to me is really interesting, and I love those types of characters. And Thomas Harris, well, he's he's one of the first who managed to put those on page in in such a way, and even romanticize uh, Hannibal Lecter quite a bit. Yeah, my introduction to Thomas Harris' world or Hannibal was the Silence of the Lambs. Of course. Uh, and uh, my parents did rent uh, the film on, on tape at the time. I didn't watch it at the cinema, obviously they wouldn't let oh, me. I was no, too young. no, 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 no. Uh, and it was so striking. Uh, I, had, uh, I had a few nightmares after yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, you would. And the first horror film to ever win an Academy Award. Is That's correct. Picture. It is a horror film, guys. Yes, it is a horror <laughs> film, and it is an incredible. Horror film. It is, it is, it is. Uh, they're coming out with a new TV series now uh, mm -hmm. based on Agent uh, Clarice. Yes. Uh, and because they don't have the rights to Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> they're sort of going around it yeah. and presenting a, a Clarice post-Silence uh, of the Lambs events. So I'm curious to see how that uh, turns out. I hope it's good, you know? Well, they, they, they can go a million ways about it as long as they don't go casually into it. If it's anywhere near Hannibal's quality, I mean the TV show, I'll yeah. be happy. 
That would be a happy gig. <laughs> so, uh, God Emperor of Dune by Frank Herbert and Red Dragon by Thomas Harris go into the nerd capsule. And this leads us to video games, which I'm sure is, is gonna be it's gonna be a Frixos favorite uh, category. No, no, but both film and video games, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, but it, on the other hand, though, there's not much to discuss in terms of video games because you have we have two slots in the time capsule, and there are three monumental releases. Indeed, there are. So let me take you through the world of video games in 1981. It's actually pretty heavy news year for video games. It is. The home video game market in the US generates $1 billion in sales revenue, equivalent to $2.81 billion in 2021. Nice. The home video market in Europe is mm -hmm. worth $200 million, equivalent to $562 million in 2021. The Europeans were slightly behind. 200? For Americans and, and Asians. As Ro Rockstar Japanese made there. that in an hour when, <laughs> yeah, when GTA 5 released. He did. We are just actually, discussing it before actually, the show. Actually, yeah. 2 million an hour. Well, sorry, 10 minutes. Not an hour. They make that in 10 minutes on release True. day. This, this is early. This is video game early. Mm -hmm. Video games early days. Mm -hmm. Konami releases Scrabble. The yes. The side-scrolling shooter with forced scrolling and multiple distinct levels. But it was their Japanese rival who won that fight of with their course. first great arcade cabinet. And Nintendo, oh, <laughs> well, that, that's the number one slot. <laughs> Nintendo releases Donkey Kong, the birth, which introduces the character the of Donkey Kong of, and the birth of Mario. Mario. Yes, the birth Mario, of Mario. Super Mario, and sets the te the template for the platform game genre. It is also right. one of the first video games with an integral storyline. There's actually a storyline in Donkey Kong, exactly, which is a copy from the King Kong yeah, yeah, <laughs> story, yes, more or yes. less, He's but with plumbers inserted. <laughs> you need to save the princess from the monkey. For good measure. Yes. Namco releases Galaga. Which was a sequel. The sequel to Galaxian, which becomes more popular than the original. Of course. And it's almost the same game. Yes. <laughs> Frame by, or should I say pixel by pixel. Precisely. Konami releases Frogger. Yes, the, the, that, Frogger. That, that, that's the third choice. Uh, Roca Olas. Fantasy is the first game with a continue feature. You couldn't continue games before mm -hmm. uh, Fantasy. Atari releases Tempest. Yes. One of the first games to use Atari's color quattro scan vector display technology. Almost yeah, the vector 3D type. Exactly. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also the first game to allow the players to choose their starting level, a system Atari dubbed Skill Step. Sure. Namco releases Bosconian, a multi-directional shooter with voice. Data East. Wow, I didn't know Data East was Data that old. Data East is that old, yes. Releases the vertically scrolling asymmetric maze game Treasure Island. And I'm sure you're going to love this piece of uh, news. Mm -hmm. Mattel releases mm -hmm. Utopia for Intellivision. One of the first city construction games and possibly the first scene game for a console. Yes. Strike that with an X. It's the ne next news piece that I'm sure you're going to uh, okay. go crazy about. In June 1981, Ultima. Is released. Of course. Beginning a successful computer role-playing game series. Beginning a beginning a lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime. Of, of and making someone games. quite a millionaire. Yes. <laughs> New yes. software releases the stealth action adventure Castle Wolfenstein. Yes. For the Apple II, which inspired Wolfenstein 3D that yes. came out That's in nice. 1982. Guys, I'm, I'm sure most of you have played Wolfenstein 3D or Doom or have seen some version of it. We are getting Trust me, the original Castle Wolfenstein doesn't look anything no, like no, no. that. No, no, first no. of all, it's not a first-person game. It's a, it's a top, uh, how do you call it, uh, top scroller. Uh, so, 
um, I release the floor to you, Mr. Frixus. Look, I, mm, I'll get a bit personal here. That's what we want. On because, Gallagher. like, I love, I, I, we've both played Gallagher. On, a, on, on some arcade cabinet somewhere, in some hotel, while our parents were looking for us and shouting <laughs> our names. We were over, slouched over the, the sounds and everything. So that's one thing I have to put down. Frogger on the other side, I understand the importance of Frogger. It never captured my imagination. Thirdly, I was a Sega fan growing up. So although I salute the significance of Donkey Kong, I'm going to put Ultima in the capsule because yeah, it I, broke new ground. I was actually conflicted between Ultima and my choice, but I'll let you elaborate a little bit on Ultima before we go to my Yeah, choice. Ultima broke new ground in, in how it allowed you to play the game. It paved the way for uh, what is essentially a brand new genre uh, of games. And then they did it again uh, down the line by introducing a uh, first-person 3D environment fantasy game where you create your character, groundbreaking stuff. And I don't think I need to uh, explain to people the significance of the fantasy genre because you and I knew that fantasy <laughs> was incredible when we were 9 and 10. People had to wait for Game of Thrones or, maybe, or maybe even Lord of the Rings. Yeah. To understand which is early 2000. precisely, which is twenty years now. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, okay, we're getting old. To understand the significance of of fantasy, and I don't, I don't even need to explain the, the the significance of gaming. People are gaming on their phones, and the the number of mobile phones gamers is staggering. It is, it is, that's true. And you could play most of the games you mentioned on a pen, right now. Will you say that Ultima was heavily inspired by Dungeons and Dragons? Of course, because for me, well, it's okay. famous story that I couldn't get the rights from Dungeons and yes, Dragons. Yes, precisely. I mean, I mean, depending on who I'm talking to, this might be a heat conversation or just a mild agreement. It was Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons, and then Chaos. So after Dungeons and Dragons, pretty much everyone picked up the baton for fantasy. But you can't really put a, a label on fantasy, right? You can. When it comes it's a very to diverse genre. when it comes to tabletop RPGs, though, there is the father. That's Gary Gygax, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. From there on, because oh, the uh, TSR, long uh, rest in peace, the company TSR that um, owned the rights to Dungeons and Dragons released many classic game uh, video games in the nineties. Uh, they no longer exist, of course, because they were purchased by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so I, I, I can say that. Uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Ultima broke the ground in the video games and, and actually paved the way to Elder Scrolls, which is the fantasy video game uh, saga. Skyrim, Oblivion, uh, Morrowind. We're waiting for the new one, hopefully. Bethesda will... Uh... I will even dare to say even Zelda. In a way. In gameplay. Uh, yeah, in Zelda, you don't create, create your own character, you don't no. do all the stuff you do in Ultima, no. but, you know, the top-scrolling element... Uh, yeah, the, back the, then, yes. Yes, uh, yes, yes. It was, it was a more simplified Ultima, I would say. Um, Richard Garriott, who, obviously, you know, the very famous creator mm -hmm. of Ultima, is one of the richest people in the video game industry. Yeah, he would be. And he would be the first space tourist 
Ever. He has money to do that. You know what? He yeah. deserves it. He deserves it. He deserves it. <laughs> At some point, he was also a famous Satanist. He went through a lot of... Oh, yeah, yeah, phase, of course. Uh, sure. Phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, the key facts here are that he's super rich from a game he designed by himself completely. Uh, you know, you could do that back in the... In that's, the early 80s guys. That's you know, what, one, one man shows, you know, video games that... That's uh, what we call a pioneer. That's what we call a pioneer, obviously. Like so, the Minecraft creator. Yeah, he, who made he, he did create the first one by himself. True. Billions. Yeah, my God, two billions. Two man. billions. Bought by Microsoft. That's right. Still going strong. Uh, my choice is very obvious. It's very boring. It's Donkey Kong. That, no, look, I, <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't call your choice boring. I, I feel sorry because you have to choose Donkey Kong because of the, the significance. It does, yeah. The significance is massive. What Super is Mario is... Uh, more famous than I don't know as an as an icon as famous as the face of Maradona rest in peace let's say just how recognizable sure. Pele's face is Maradona's face Michael yeah. Schumacher do you understand these how many people have you seen in the role strangers that have a <laughs> short mustached man and you already it's Mario you're, you're already oh that's Super Mario you know? yes he's very iconic it, so it always struck me as very, very weird why kids uh, get obsessed with Super Mario. I mean, it's a, most, it's a short, mustache New York plumber designed by Japanese Yeah, people. yeah. But for some reason, it works. I'm a Super Mario fan. My favorite Super Mario game is Super Mario Land. So okay. The Game Boy. Okay. Uh, my son's favorite Super Mario game is uh, Super Mario 3D Land, which was the 3D release on the Wii U. My favorite Super Mario game is Sonic the Hedgehog 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is going to start the Sega versus Nintendo. No, it's not because there's a clear... Let's wait till we get into the 90s. There's not because there's, 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 there's a... Look, there's a, there's a clear winner in that fight. Super Mario. Nintendo, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They're selling cardboard. Yeah, man. And it's selling like Super crazy. Super expensive cardboard. Genius. Yeah, it, it is genius. It is genius. And they used to make cards, playing cards. Yeah, that's how they started. Almost 100 years ago. Uh, yes. Playing cards, guys, for poker. That's it, that's <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, Donkey Kong is my choice uh, for the reasons you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's an iconic game. It, it literally created uh, the, platformer, the platformer as, yeah. as we know it today. It wasn't side-scrolling. It was, you know, a single stage all in one screen. You didn't have to go left or right. You just had to make your way up to, to Donkey Kong well, it, and it, save it, the princess. It, it needed to fit on one screen. But as soon as you did get that uh, hammer thing, Things did really good, look good for you. So <laughs> it was all about getting that hammer, wasn't it? Hammer for time. sure, for sure. Uh, so yeah, Donkey Kong goes uh, into the nerd capsule together with Ultima. If you agree or disagree, please send us your own recommendations for the nerd capsule through email or any other uh, ways of communication that you could reach us. More below in the descriptions um, window of your uh, Spotify or anywhere else you're watching this uh, podcast. So. Uh, we're going to our final topic. The big one. The big one. Yeah. Movies. Movies. So. Uh, and, this is, and this is a minefield. It is a minefield. Of masterpieces. <laughs> uh, it, I was contemplating it for days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, just to get a good idea of what's going on in the world of movies in the year 1981, here's the top 10 US box office. <laughs> on number 10, Time Bandits by Terry Gilliam. The Four Seasons is at number 9. 
For Your Eyes Only, the James Bond film. Of is course. Number eight. We're still waiting for a James Bond film here in like 2021 for almost a year now. <laughs> like, they, they filmed it. They just haven't released just, it. Yeah, they just, you know, they, they don't want to do that uh, hybrid thing or releasing it on platforms. We've and already had one go full cinema, Bond yeah. film that slightly failed upon release last year. Which one? The one that Nolan filmed. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the, the high concept. Uh, the high concept Bond yeah, film, Bond sure. Film, yeah. Sure. At number seven, Chariots of Fire. Oh. And I'm sure you, you you are hearing the theme song, the Vangelis theme blah, song. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> number six, Cannonball Run. Yes. Pretty fun uh, adventure film. That birthed an actual race that killed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, maybe, um, the Gumball. Yeah. It gave birth to the Gumball, where a lot of rich people gathered in some European country so with that a lot a of... I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But now, now they're doing the right thing. The Gumball is now a charity parade, essentially. Okay. And, and they, safe. They, they, they're right, mm, safer. Okay. Because okay. now it's sanctioned, it's accepted. The, uh, the municipalities uh, welcome them. Back in the day, though, it wasn't. They gathered in... In a city in Serbia, let's say, oh, and oh. they said we have. So it was Carmageddon, basically. Yes. Okay. Yes, with really fast cars, okay, that's really good. illegal Someone races. Do a movie about that, about the first real. Uh, oh, run. nasty. And number five, Stripes, the Bill Murray comedy. Yes. Uh, number four, Arthur, another comedy, another classic comedy. Mm -hmm. And number three, Superman two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Quite decent sequel compared to three and four. Oh, no question. <laughs> no questions. Number two. On Colton Pond. Number uh, one. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Paramount's blast of a box office. And uh, the first collaboration between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And they broke 200 million. 212.222,000. That was highest, million, yeah. highest grossing film. And that's just in the US. I mean, and look, at the, look, look at the studios. They released Paramount, with, Universal, with, Warner Brothers. With Paramount Columbia, Fox, just sitting or, there on top. Does, yeah. Absolutely smashing everyone else out of the out of the water. That's true. I mean, number two on, on Golden Pond that had half the money, mm -hmm. one hundred nineteen. Yep. And that was a, you know a very subtle drama film. Yes. You don't see that anymore. You don't see no. drama films making one hundred nineteen no. million dollars in no. the box office. You don't. No. You don't. That ended in the nineties. So it was blockbuster land from the nineties on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right. Raiders of the Lost Ark is iconic. Oh. Uh, in <laughs> Indiana Jones. What part of that film isn't iconic? Yeah, it, the music, the cast, film. the fedora, the whip. I'm getting the sense you want to discuss it more for other reasons. Uh, no, 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 Raiders is... No, there's no... Is, not, is, is it your pick or not? Or you don't want to say it? Uh, wanna, let's, let's wait till the trivia is done. If, 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 uh, if the suspense you, is killing me. Well, <laughs> uh, in, in the awards world, uh, Chariots of Fire wins the Oscar and, and the BAFTA. Of course. Uh, in Cannes, the Palme d'Or goes to Man of Iron, which is uh, a Polish film by a, you know a, an amazing Polish director. Uh, oh my God, I can't pronounce this name to save, save my life. But uh, Andrzej Wacha. <laughs> Sorry, our Polish friends are yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know who it is. I know the director. I can't pronounce him. I'm so I'm terribly. I'm terrible and I'm sorry. And well, faster, faster. Some other notable uh, films that came mm -hmm. out in 1981. American Pop, Baroff Bakshi. Pretty naughty animated film. <laughs> the the Vetra's Wife, a French film by Eric Romer. Blowout by Brian De Palma. Body Heat by Lawrence Castan, who also wrote The Empire Strikes oh, yes, Back, right. if you remember. Das Boot. 
Yes. Amazing, beautiful, incredible. There we go. Submarine film. There we go. Released in 92 by Wolfgang Peterson, who also directed The Neverending Story. So people who want to know that kind of shit. Clash of the Titans, probably the last great Ray Horror yes, film. Yes, definitely the last. <laughs> uh, the Decline of Western Civilization, probably the greatest documentary about rock culture. Uh, Escape from New York by the legendary John Carpenter. Yes. Oh, the music. Uh, oh, the music. The Evil Dead by Sam Raimi. Oh, yes. There's a lot of horror on yes, this Yes, of course. The 80s. <laughs> People were free to do as they wished. Excalibur. That's right. Uh, <laughs> one of the adult fantasy films mm, of the time. Yes, yes. Halloween 2, not directed by John Carpenter. That's right. But written by him, or directed by Rick Rosenthal, which actually started the trend of sequels starting immediately where the last, where the one, last one ended. ended. So yes. it starts in the hospital, if you remember. Precisely. Um, heavy Metal, yes. the animated film. With the cover created by uh, our very own. Uh, artist yes. Chris Aguileos. Uh, he did the poster. Uh, History of the World, the Mel Brooks classic, <laughs> part one. We're still waiting for part two decades later. Jews in space. space. I love it. Space balls. Oh, so good. <laughs> the Halloween, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, classic werewolf film. Lion of the Desert. The first Anthony Howling, Wayne. right? The first Howling, yeah. My favorite one is, I think it's the fourth or the third in the Actually, castle. Yeah, the, the, the sequels are pretty fun. Not serious films by any fun, means. Fun is, fun. yeah, I'll, I'll stop at fun. Yeah. yeah. Knight Riders. But speaking of werewolves, though, since you, so you're going down the list. Yeah, well, 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 can we wait about that? <laughs> yeah, we can wait. Sure, 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 sure. Knight Raiders, which is a George A. Romero film, mm -hmm. which is not a horror film. No, which is surprisingly <laughs> not. It isn't. It's actually sort of a medieval um, reimagining of a knighthood. It's actually guys on bikes. Yeah. But they're knights. <laughs> yeah. Without Harry's. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty fun. Mad Max 2. Yes. The Road Warrior. Directed by a Greek-Australian director, who also did the amazing... What's the, the latest uh, Mad Max film? Oh, Fury, uh, uh, Fury Road. Fury Road, yes. of course, of course, of course. Omen 3, the <laughs> final conflict. <laughs> wow. Damien. Outland, which is quite awesome sci-fi film uh, uh, with uh, the original James Bond uh, that died recently. Uh, Sean Connery. With Sean Connery, yeah. Oh, the, the outfit. Yeah, the famous outfit. <laughs> no, no, it's not the outfit. It's not that film. Oh, I, I, in Outland, he's playing. Uh, he's a cop in a space station. Ah. Uh, it's, it's pretty realistic, actually. Right, it's right, 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 right. Uh, the postman always rings twice. Right. Uh, another naughty film on the list. Quest for Fire, uh, the uh, amazing film about um, about Neanderthals. Reds. Scanners by David Cronenberg. Oh, the of course. Famous uh, heads. Uh, oh, the meme. The meme. The exploding the, the head. Yes. You know the yes, meme. Yes. Yes. Of course. And Zorro, the gay blade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't know Zorro the gay blade, it's worth a watch. Oh <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's not as gay as it sounds, actually. Because uh, much like the idea of of uh, homoeroticism, at some point in our beautiful history. The, the, the stigma or, or, or the label uh -huh, on it uh -huh. didn't even exist. It was just love, as it should be. It, it, it was, especially in the 80s. Nobody cared. Nobody. And, uh, <laughs> other than, other than, other than, other than you the, know, the age thing that kind yes. of backtracked all that. Unfortunately. In the late 80s. Yes. There's a good series about that called It's a Sin oh, on I HBO. I don't know that. Sure. With uh, Neil Patrick Harris, I think. Ooh. I have to search it out. Yes, it's all See. about the outbreak that's, that's of AIDS. Uh, another good 
it's not actually a TV series. It was a TV movie um, uh, with Al Pacino. AIDS related? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think for me the, the the most striking AIDS related film is Philadelphia. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's why it won a lot of Oscars. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it, it hit me so hard when I watched it. Mainly because uh, uh, Angels in America. Yeah. Ang- ah. It was it was in a. It was uh, an Al Pacino. It was a TV movie in two parts. It was, you know, it, it used right. to be back when that kind of uh, format was uh, famous. Like it. Uh, it was based on a stage play. <laughs> like it, yeah. yeah. Actually, pretty much the same format. It was yes. a movie in two parts. Yes. Uh, Search It Out that came out in the early 2000s. So, uh, I, I feel obli- <laughs> obligated to start with my choice. Which because I'm, I think it will affect your I'm, choice. I know what it is. I'm not, I, I, did, I deliberately I, did not mention it. And I, 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 well, I, I, know very, I know very well of what you're going to choose. And I didn't want to choose it because I knew it was your choice. And I know how much you love it. We both love it because of its themes and the genre. It was so unique. It's still unique today. It is. Uh, it's absolutely unique today. And of some course, films did come close. One we did already mention because it came out in the same year. Yes, exactly. But, you know, it's... Uh, this, Nobody still made the perfect werewolf movie. And, and of course, you're and talking American about... American Werewolf in London is the perfect werewolf movie. For me, it is the perfect horror comedy. It, it, it tr- is a comedy. It transcends... It is horror. It works both ways. It transcends <laughs> werewolf films. It transcends horror films. It, it transcends comedy films. It does. Uh, it's satire. It's John, horror satire. John Landis, who directed in the previous year Blues Brothers, which was almost the movie I've, I did put in yeah, the yeah, castle. I'm making. I'm, uh, I made a promise to John Landis that I will include him in this year, and you know, Amer- an American Werewolf you, in London was it, a no-brainer. It cannot be avoided. I'm sorry. Raiders of the Lost Ark was really close. A lot of those other films we did mention was they're all yeah 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 fantastic films. that in the list. Uh, but you know, American Werewolf in London. It's I think it's one of the films I've watched again and again. I think I, I've did pass a hundred viewings. I think. I'm not. Wow. I'm, I'm not a. I'm actually. Pretty honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But, uh, it's wonderful. When, when I was a teenager and carrying on in, uh, into my early twenties, I think it's the movie that I've watched a couple of times every year. Sometimes it was three times a year. Yeah. And uh, I did travel to Edinburgh a few years back for the locations. No, 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 no. Because it wasn't set in Scotland. It, it was, it, it, but it, it, it there was. was a screening of it. Ah, in, I see. In a very dodgy, very dodgy <laughs> cinema, very much like the cinemas where he was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he, <laughs> where he was haunted by his victims. Uh, yes, exactly. oh, so good. And so good. me and my best uh, friend Christos, and he's also my best man. Uh, we did go to Edinburgh, and we did go to this dodgy bar. Wow. The first floor is a, it's a bar in Edinburgh, one of those places that you don't want to start a fight with somebody. Okay. You know the kind of places, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. with Scottish people. Yeah, of course. Which, it's, it's, uh, this bar is, um, is located um, on the top of the, of the Edinburgh Toms. I see. So there is a secret passage to the Toms <laughs> through the bar, and three floors down, underground, there's a cinema. Which wow. you can go in free if you buy a drink, if you buy a pint of beer. <laughs> you could watch a film. Thankfully, it was an American World in London. And it was screened, American World And not some blue film. Random or, Scottish uh, people. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a double feature with a porn film. Just to make I w- a point. See, see uh, that, that's what I was going to say. That I mean, I would expect something like that to be displayed there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm glad that you got to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, I, mean but, I, I never watched American Werewolf in London on, on the big screen. Yeah, I, I, Where would we do that? It was already one of my favorite films, but after that experience... Of course. <laughs> it, 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 it went a couple of oh, yeah. steps 
uh, ahead. Yeah, so American Werewolf in London is my choice uh, for the Nerd Capsule. Raiders of the Last Type was pretty freaking close, very, very, very close. Uh, Scanners was also close because I loved David Cronenberg. But you don't put Cronenberg to represent everyone. Cronenberg is an acquired taste. You know how much I love Cronenberg and, then, and his violence, but I can't say that it represents the peak of cinema in the 80s. And if we yeah, have he, to go he, there... He didn't mature in the 90s. Yes, precisely. Although I, I appreciate Scanners. mostly a perfect film, which Ooh, is the yes. late 80s film. Yes, and then, uh, and then he matured even more with yes. Eastern Promises. Yeah, and, he, he or or did, Crash. That he, he did jump a couple of levels yeah, in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and still a very misunderstood uh, filmmaker. He, he, as you said, he's of a special taste. He's unique. He's an acquired taste. But, you know, American Wolf in London... What an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yes. Uh, he, he, it's probably the reason I'm in love with London and I always return I see, to London I see, I see. every year. <laughs> it's just perfect, man. You know, the, yes. the gothic atmosphere, uh, the writing, exceptional you writing. Don't know what ending. You, you don't know what you're in for. Oh, and for me, it's one of the most beautiful romances ever. <laughs> I suppose you could call it that, yeah. yeah it, is, it is a romance. It is a romance, yes. Um, what about you? Well... As, I, as I've prefaced already, I, I cannot choose my beloved Cronenberg's scanners uh, for the capsule because whatever I put in there needs to represent the peak of cinema of 1981. And I think you'd be silly. I mean, if you, you look at that list and, you, and you, you talk to a group of friends and you say, we have to watch a film from 1981 that isn't an American <laughs> world <laughs> in an London. Because if you're involved, we're watching that. Yeah, yes, yeah. we're watching that precisely. <laughs> Well, I think if it's 10 people, 8 out of 10 will say Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because it's, where do, you, where do I begin? Uh, Harrison Ford absolutely killing it. John Williams writing history again. How can you top the Star Wars soundtrack with Indiana Jones? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. He could not go wrong. That, that, in, uh, I mean, every time someone, we, we discussed this before, every time someone posts a John Williams, it was his birthday, two days ago, I think. Oh. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, uh, uh, Mr. Soundtrack. Either yesterday <laughs> or two days ago. Uh, every time someone posts a piece, I'm like, oh no, he's gone, you know. But I made peace with that, with the fact that John Williams will never really die. I mean, he, he, he's, he's such an iconic he's, uh, he, part he, of films. He will you know? be eternal. I'm sure the there themes. are some films that we love that uh, if, if you take out the soundtrack, it will it's not, not be the, the same. same. No, Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, stop. E.T. Oh, no. I can go on and on. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Do you know what? I, Harry Bloody Potter. Harry Potter. That's his. It is. The soundtrack is his. It's crazy. And, and of and course... He had to compete with Lord of the Rings that year. Those two films, Harry, the first Harry Potter... Yes. Came out, that's crazy. They came out in, in the yes, same year. Yes, precisely. Uh, representing the two spectrums of fantasy, you know, yes. uh, epic fantasy and uh, adolescence fantasy. I can, I guess you can, can call, call it, it that. Yeah, yeah, you can call yeah, it that. Yeah. Now, what makes Indiana Jones stand out? Because is it unique? In a way, it was um, special, not unique precisely, because the adventure film or the, the world-trotting explorer is a very old trope. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's based trope. on the old uh, uh, serials that George Lucas and Spielberg and all these people exactly. loved when they were kids. Star Wars is also uh, the, the continuation of those kind of films. So is Indiana Jones. as with Star Wars, 
Saul with Indiana Jones. We never saw saw those stories quite like that. Oh yeah, I mean, with those production values. Precisely. Uh, taking it seriously, oh. no. <laughs> Watching Alfred Molina show up in the intro oh. of Raiders, and you're like. I know this guy, you know, and I, I see all these young people watching it and they're like, I know that guy. Of course you know that guy. Oh, it's a, a fantastic film. And of course, he's kicking Nazi ass. And that is always a wonderful thing to see. And another thing that I mentioned the other day while talking to um, some, uh, f- um, well, um, uh, f- uh, friends who are working with me or I'm working with them on a future possible project, it was the first time that I saw the depiction of a Holy Spirit or the Christian idea of God as a fear, fearful force being. of nature. Yes. I mean, it's not the a, biblical a cherub yeah, yeah, or that. Yes. Yeah. When the ark is opened, spoilers. Come on. It's 40 years later. You Precisely. It, it shakes you to your core because you're thinking, oh yeah, what's, what's going to happen it's a now? Gruesome ending. And they <laughs> just, <laughs> they just melt away. Melt yes. or or they uh, they Evaporate? age 60 yeah. years in a, in 5 seconds yes. i think it is it's like the touch of a ghost when you grow older as they say uh so yeah the, the uh, those, is that your favorite reasons, moment from the film or is there is there another particular scene that you consider a holy grail like if you had to pick one scene it no it's that it's that because it it, it encompasses for me what what indie is about Yes, he, the car chases, running away from the boulders on the bike where he's trying to avoid the, the Nazis and the chase. But that's from the third film. The, no, no, well, no, 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 no. The, when they're fighting in the gorge. With the truck. With the truck, with the truck when they're yeah, yeah, fighking yeah. in the gorge yeah, yeah, with the bombs. Yeah. All of that means nothing when this professor eventually finds actual magic, actual paranormal stuff. That is yeah, because up to that point it's all still yeah, fantasy. Yeah. Oh come you know? on! It's, it's such, even he doesn't believe. Yeah, it's a treasure. It. It's yeah. a tra- it's a relic. Well, and yet it wasn't just a relic. And you, you know what blows my mind is that when you watch Temple of Doom <laughs> or uh, the Last Crusade, yes, and you realize both of those two films are prequels. Yeah, the, the, well, <laughs> yes, of course, which. It's slightly weird because Harrison was very young in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. Did he have the scar in Raiders? I'm not sure. The chin scar, but, the famous but, uh, chin scar. Chronologically speaking, both Temple of Doom happened before Raiders. Yes, because and, and, and yeah, uh, the Last Crusade happens before, just before World War Two, when the Nazis took power. Because so the, the uh, Last Crusade is, has a World War One tank. Uh, isn't no, it? Te- the Temple of Doom is just after, it's uh, in the early in the late thirties. Yes. Uh, uh, Last Crusade happens in the very early 40s and Raiders of the Lost Ark happens in the middle of the in, World in War the middle II, of the World War II, yes. Yeah. 42, 43. I'm not talk about the fourth film. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, what, what, what fourth film? What fourth film? The fifth one is coming up well, soon. The fifth one I can trust because I know that they won't do the same mistake twice. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Let's not forget who owns the Indiana Jones franchise. Precisely. <laughs> There's yeah, a, a, careful there's a with big this looming mouse <laughs> above this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. It, it could go both ways, I think. Yeah. Uh, they know what to do with material like that. Yes, they do. They yeah. do. Uh, I'm just curious how they're going to say goodbye to Harrison Ford because they have to say goodbye. They've already, told, I mean, they've already told him goodbye once to the lightsaber yeah. through the chest. Yes, I mean, are they going to kill him off? Is, he's gonna, is he going to pass on the... Uh, I don't think he will... The he mantle? Will, Yes, I don't I mean, see him dying. Happen. I see him becoming like the Templar 
in Last Crusade. You know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg always said that Indiana Jones was their version of James Bond. But, well, you know I, I, I can buy that, yes. They said if there was ever an Americanized uh, James Bond, he would be someone, somebody yeah. like Indiana He'll Jones. Yeah, Indy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we take the idea that James Bond could be anybody, then what they're probably doing is preparing the, uh, I mean, know, some new Indy if the to Brit, take the nickname. If the Brit or the Scott, specifically, was the tuxedo-wearing, sweet-talking guy. The American would yeah. be the vest-wearing fedora yeah. whip with the six gun, the six smart shooter, ass. smart, exactly, <laughs> white cracking dude. Yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. My, my favorite scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark is, is the moment where we're introduced to Karen Allen, where okay. he goes to the mountains yes. and enters the bar, and, and it's <laughs> in the middle of Cambodia. Where was yeah. it? Because the. You know what? We have to always remember that female characters were not no, depicted no, no, like no. that. No, no, uh, Even in the eighties, it was still a very rare thing to see a dynamic woman. I mean, you know, in Temple of Doom, they did at the service, but it was they took be, a step back. In they the way. did, yeah, they took did. a step yes. back, which I love Temple of Doom for other reasons. No, it, it was it's, it's so dark. <laughs> it's yet it's, yet, yet it's more parodical or satirical. Yeah, it, it's, it's more closer to those serials that it, Indiana Jones is inspired the from. Stuff. It's more yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, that introduction to Karen Allen, I was in love with her for so long, man, you know? And she, I, he knew her father, yeah, right? And then he, yeah, no. she's, well, she's him, essentially, in a way. In a, yeah, she's the female version of him. Precisely. Yeah. She, she, that can handle drink. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. She's not afraid of snakes. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, and, of course, he famously hates snakes. <laughs> yes. yes. So, Indiana Jones. Yes, And yes. an American werewolf in London end up in the nerd capsule. That's beautiful. And that brings us to... To an end. That's wonderful. It's time to close the capsule, my friend. Do you want to push the button? I will. Or or, or uh, lower the the, the lever. lever. The lever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this brings us to the very end. We hope you enjoyed year nineteen eighty one, and I want to finish off by uh, discussing with my friend Frixos here a little bit about his book. And, right. Uh, can you give us a little bit more info about James Tick? Where to find it? If ah, you can I see, find I see. it, uh, and just you know, don't spoil it, but give us a synopsis what it's about. Sure. Um, first of all, um, the Ballad of James Tigg is a novella, which is one step behind a novel. Um, Pure pages for those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I. It was. Battle of James Tigg was. I wrote the Ballad of James Tigg as a premise for a, a music album that my dearest friends and collaborators in Winter's Verge did. I wrote the lyrics for it, essentially. I gave them the story and the lyrics, and each song is basically one chapter of the story. Now, the, the story itself, uh, I, I, I wanted it to have a basic premise, but, uh, especially because it's a, it's a theme very close to my heart, the man chasing the monster. Uh, sort of story. Now, uh, the Battle of James Tigg... Very much Tigg, like Super Mario and Donkey Kong. Mm, <laughs> well, he's trying to save the girl there, so not exactly. Uh, unless the girl is his passion in, in, in that instance, the juxtaposition. Never mind. Now, the Battle of James Tigg is about a, a, a young boy who at eight years old loses his family as they were moving from a port to, to go to an island so his father could expand. This is a fantasy world, by the way. Think... Think, let's just say Lord of the Rings or any typical uh, Is it fantasy. set in a specific time? Is, I think it's the 1700s, am I correct? It's, it's not, it's, it's a different world completely called okay. Tiburon. Uh, so no, it's a completely different world. 
It with without gunpowder to be specific, so it's not yeah, the sixteen yeah, yeah, hundreds. Right. It's, it's a bit, yeah. bit earlier than that, let's say, because when you apply gunpowder in a fantasy environment, things tend to go sideways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, he loses his family uh, when they were moving from the big port to go to the island, so his father could expand his business to what he believed and others believed to be a monster attack, and he made a promise that he will find this monster called the Kilagorak. When he grows up and becomes a captain, he would get a crew and go after him. Um, this all happens within the first few pages of the book. And we meet James when he is an adult and after 15 years or so of sailing, he becomes a captain, he buys a ship and he sails off to roughly the waters where the attack may have happened. Um, That's how the first chapter starts. Yes, yeah. precisely. Now. How things unfold is a whole different matter. Does he find the monster? Is the monster real? I mean, I want to leave that up to the reader. Because so if you're a fan of Moby Dick? It's Moby Dick with a twist. If you're a fan of Jaws? Well, yeah, all of that. And if you're a fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark, because I can see some elements of that as well. Uh, well, that's adventure for sure. It's an, it's, There's adventure. It's a huge epic adventure. Then uh, the Ballad of James T is the book for you. And where can we find it? Where can, where also, can we... also a love story, by the way. And also love story. Yeah, yeah, because you have to have a love story. Monsters and love stories, they always yeah, go together. Exactly. <laughs> now, I have... <laughs> Guillermo del Toro says. <laughs> I printed the second edition of Ballad of James T because the first edition sold out, thankfully, at the Cyprus Comic Con in 2019. Um, and I have, I, have, I have printed the second edition with uh, some spelling mistakes, some gr- grammatical fixes because I did it all by myself the first time around and that's not advisable for any future authors out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, not, do not do everything by yourself. Don't fix your own work. <laughs> it does not work. Uh, but if you wish um, to purchase a copy, I have plenty of them. You just send me a message on Facebook uh, it's 10 euro. I'll I'll arrange to have it. I'll sign it. I'll put in a, a beautiful personal message. Is it planned to be online as an ebook uh, um, shortly? I, I did. I did. It is a procedure that I need to look into again. It's not as simple as people think it is, or they make it out to be. Of course, um, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have considered it. I have considered it. But uh, as a very good friend of mine once said. Uh, it is the small books that have a big heart. That's so, true. I want people. There's one. There's a copy of, of it yes, right behind you. There actually. is. Yeah. And if there's ever the, the video version, we'll ever, we're also filming a video version that, for the time being, is in the archives. Right. Or right. Uh, in, in the final scene of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You oh, know, yes. The... <laughs> oh yes. Oh uh, yes. Where we keep all uh, our videos. And this is the ballad of James Take for those that can see. It. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a book that you can read in a weekend. If you're a fast uh, reader, you can do it oh, in yeah. a couple of hours. A couple of hours, yes. Uh, amazing, uh, pretty fast-paced uh, read, if you ask me, from my experience. Oh, thank you. And you could also uh, find it through us, so you send us an email to storyteller at splashscreen.online. The, the dot online, it's a reference to Sierra Online. Of course, oh, <laughs> yeah, Sierra Online, Gabriel uh, Knight. Gabriel Knight, <laughs> Sins of the Fathers, yes. amazing adventure game. So, Ballad of James Tick by Frixos Masuras, oh. our dear uh, friend, co-writer in many projects, and also uh, one of our podcasters here at Black Lemon TV, slash Gigodobos Collaborative Hive, or wherever you're following us, together with Ivy, who was our first guest in the year. That's right, that's right. Capsule. So, from me, Andreas Plash Kiriagu and Frixus Masuras, 
This is it for the year 1981. We'll see, see you, you all in the year 1982. Yes, my breath here. Let's go. Adios. So, that was it for the year 1981. Do you agree with our picks or do you think your own choices deserve the spot in our pop culture time capsule? Let us know via email at storyteller at splashscreen.online and we may share your choices with our listeners in the next episode. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV with your host Andreas Splash Griagu, co-produced by Gigonobos Collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. Thank you for listening and join us for the year 1982 in the coming episode. <laughs>